Welcome back to our weekly podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Pendo, and today I am joined by Alex Page. Alex is originally from Maine, but now working in the Washington, D.C. area with USAID. Alex graduated in 2019 with a combined bachelor's degree in political science and environmental science. Welcome. Happy to have you here. Thank you, Margaret. Awesome. So I feel like for this podcast, we can talk about your time at Franklin, and then I really want to get into what you're doing now because it's super exciting. And congratulations on that, but we'll touch base on that in a sec. So I wonder, like, what made you want to pursue a combined degree in political science and environmental science? Yeah, so um, I took Professor Hale's FYS, Discovering the Alps, my freshman year. So I was sort of placed um, in that in that FYS uh, and really enjoyed it. And then I also uh, was enticed by the freshwater travel and Iceland. Um, so sort of before I knew it, I had a bunch of <laughs> environmental credits that I had to do something with. Um, and, and also, I mean, the environmental science professors at Franklin are great and I thought it was interesting um and then uh also wanted to sort of take advantage of Franklin being Franklin and sort of the IR department um and so when they started offering the environmental science political science major it seemed like a good um pairing of what I was interested in yeah for sure and when you went to Iceland did you happen to see the northern lights or no yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, it was great. It was like a very special night in Issa Theater with all those people. When I saw them, I went to a Halloween party and then just popped over to some random water source and saw them very, you know. That was in Iceland? Yeah, when I I went to Iceland like a year ago, I think. So, okay. Very cool. Um, Another cool thing that you did during your time at Franklin was actually during your last year, you we're working on your thesis and being an intern for um, DT Global. And what was that like, you know, doing both kind of, especially like being back at home and, you know, what was it like balancing that? And what did you do in your internship? Yeah, so I I took summer session classes after my junior year. So I had enough credits by the time it was the end of my senior fall um, that I could afford to leave campus and just do my thesis senior spring um so got the internship in dc and moved there in in january um and then for that whole spring i was interning there um and writing my thesis it wasn't super difficult to balance them um because i would just work all day and then in the evenings or on the weekends i would write my paper um it was maybe more difficult than i thought it would be to like muster the discipline to sit down at night and write a thesis when I wasn't like on campus um but you just do it and got it done and then graduated in May what was it like living in Washington DC it was cool I was living with family friends outside of of Washington for that semester so I wasn't actually like in DC, which was maybe beneficial because I was trying to like get my thesis done. So if I had been in the city, maybe I would have been more distracted. But since I was in the suburbs, I was sort of forced to focus on what I was doing. Um, but it was good. Yeah, it was it was cool to move straight from Franklin essentially to there. Um, although maybe a little bit of reverse culture shock at that point. <laughs> but, yeah, no beautiful lake to kind of look out. I know, but you get used to it. 
yeah so what did you do during your internship as a program support intern yeah so um dc global is a predominantly usaid implementing partner which means usaid comes up with the programs that they want done and we bid on them and, and are the ones actually on the ground implementing them so we have a bunch of projects in like 94 countries um and so as an intern i was supporting like three or four of them so whatever the project managers on each of those projects needed um i, I would help uh, help do those things and it was primarily like reviewing invoices or setting up like trackers for certain elements of the the project that they need to like capture data from um mm -hmm. there's a lot of like paperwork and busy work but at the same time um definitely taught me how much i didn't know you know <laughs> when i was applying for jobs initially i was like yeah whatever like anything like i could i could get any of these jobs and i would just like figure it out on the fly right like you can like fake it till you make it but during that internship i was like wow there's a lot of like simple excel admin things that i don't really know um, so it was helpful in that respect to sort of like get me up to speed yeah that's and it was kind of a stepping stool to where you are now right kind of it got you it wasn't an internship that led you into hypothetically a position with usaid so i don't i still am at dc global so um one of the projects I worked on as an intern was SWIM, which is Strengthening Watershed and Irrigation Management, which is the project I work on now. So I was an intern sort of floating for the spring. And then after graduating Franklin, I came back as a full-time um, employee. And at that point, I was dedicated only to SWIM, which is where I still am. Okay, cool. Do you mind talking a little bit about that? I know it has a lot to do with you know like productive use of water and water resource management but do you mind going into more specifics yeah so um it's called like i said it's called swim strengthening watershed and irrigation management and the sort of objective of the project is to increase um like the capacity of the afghan government and communities and farmers in afghanistan specifically northern afghanistan um to better manage their uh, national water resources. Um, and so there's a couple of categories of activities that we implement. Sort of the biggest bucket is um, canal rehabilitation. So there's a bunch of like old canals in the north um, that we hire local construction companies to go in and rehabilitate. Um, so it's like over 100 miles of, of canals uh, that ultimately will result in um, like less water losses as well as like improved access for farmers and communities for domestic purposes irrigation livestock um, so that's like the biggest component is essentially construction and then we also um, sponsor technical experts to sit with the relevant government ministries so like the national environmental protection agency the ministry of agriculture irrigation and livestock these different um federal level agencies that oversee sort of natural resource management um we we provide them with technical experts to to sit with them train them provide input um and then we also train at the farmer level so we do like on-farm water management trainings particip participatory watershed management trainings to teach like farmers and communities how to better use the uh increased water resources that they now have because of the canals that we've rehabilitated. 
Um, so that's sort of the, the top-down approach that the project takes. That's super cool. And so you actually got to go kind of on ground, I guess you could say, and live in Afghanistan. And what was that like? You know, did you learn what the language Dari? Is it Pashto? Mm -hmm. Did you have yeah. to learn that or what was that like? Only sort of like uh, the conversational office level while I was there, but I didn't need to learn any uh, Dari or Pashto before I, I went there because all of our local staff and expat staff speak English. Um, but yeah, I went, um, my first assignment out there was for supposed to be two months. It ended up being six weeks because I went out at the beginning of February, 2020. So yeah. six weeks after that middle of last March, um, got kicked out. So I came back, came back early. Um, and then I went out again for almost three months this time from December until the end of, of February. Um, um where were you living? Like, how did that kind of look like? It's essentially a, a compound. Um, so I think like fortified hotel, basically. Um, mm -hmm. So there, there's like few opportunities to leave. So for the most part, um, you're just trapped in this, in this place working. So there's like residences and there's offices and you just go back and forth between them. Um, so there's not a whole lot of like engagement outside the walls like going into the city especially this time with with covid um and the security situation there is especially bad right now um the last time i went last year i was able to go out a few times i traveled to the north for a day um to, to visit our satellite office there um, so that was cool but for the most part the <laughs> this couple months i've spent there have been like in a box basically <laughs> Yeah, did you get to meet the like people that you were working with on ground or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so all of our local staff for the most part um, are from Kabul. And so they travel to the office, which is within the compound, but then they leave. And then all the expat staff, international staff live within the compound. Um, so you're working with them on a day-to-day -day basis, um, which is which is great. And that's sort of the reason for going there um, mainly is is to be able to interact with local staff. Uh, yeah. live and not with a nine and a half hour delay yeah. generally like is the reception super positive of having you guys there and helping them or what did you feel yeah i think people appreciate having because there's a lot of information that the field office needs from the home office in dc and and vice versa so i think there's an appreciation for having like a home office representative on the ground that people can just knock on your door and ask you the question in person instead of like feeling uncomfortable about sending an email or like, is this important enough? So it's good to have sort of like live feedback. Um, but it's also just good to demonstrate that like we're all on the same team and it's not like them out in the field and us in Washington, um, which I think is sort of the biggest, the biggest reason because otherwise you can sort of become the person sitting behind the desk in DC detached from what's actually going on. Yeah, definitely. And uh, prior to kind of getting this podcast date, we talked a little bit about the cuisine. I don't know if you want to kind of talk about your favorite dishes and a little insight to that. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak too much about it because being in a compound, it's like uh, probably a small improvement above like military deep fat food. Um, but there is like a local... Uh, a restaurant in, within the compound run by locals that produces local food for 
for Afghan staff for like lunches. Um, they have good food. It's a lot of like dolls and curries and chicken and lamb, like roasted on the grill, um, like bolani, different breads, stuff like that. That's really good. That's like, yeah, I feel like food is one of those things that I never thought about um, until I came to Franklin and I realized how important it is in terms of learning someone's culture because it's so yeah. enlightening and delicious. But um, cool, yeah. So another thing I was curious was just kind of like moving forward, like what do you like, what do you, or what do you see yourself doing in the future with government or what do you like being about, about being in government and things like that? Yeah, I think government work is very bureaucratic. Like there's lots of forms I have to fill out multiple times with the same information on them. It's that type of stuff where you're like sort of bashing your head against the wall sometimes. You're like, what? This is like really counterproductive. Um, but like ultimately the work that's being done, I think is is positive. So it's like, even if it, if it, you have to go the long way around to do it, like maybe it's worthwhile and useful uh, way to spend spend taxpayers dollars but i don't know if i can do i don't know if i could work in like government work forever because I, I do think eventually it, it would get frustrating um so i i don't really know what where this path leads i think it's like valuable experience at this point to sort of lay the groundwork um but yeah i'm, I'm not sure yeah i mean I've said this on multiple interviews, but I just kind of feel like Franklin gives you security in such a place of unknown. Like you can pretty much just feel calm and not knowing what's next because you know something good is coming. So yeah, yeah, I think like as long as you keep pushing, like doors will open, and you just have to make sure to walk through. Yeah, no, for sure. And kind of talking about Franklin a little bit, like. How do you feel, Franklin? Do you feel Franklin prepared you for working where you do now or like at least guided you towards wanting to do this kind of thing? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm fortunate that studying environmental science and political science, I was able to get a job that is pretty much at those exact crossroads. So I feel really lucky that I get to essentially do the thing that I studied. Um, so yeah, I think Franklin, like academics, Franklin, prepared me as well as anywhere could have prepared me for what I ended up doing now. Um, but beyond that, like, obviously, as we all know at Franklin college prepares you for a lot of things beyond just like what you learn in the classroom. And I think that's been especially valuable for me coming from Franklin and then working in international development and, and traveling abroad for work um, I think it maybe would have been a lot more like visceral or like startling if I had been doing that without the background that Franklin gave me. Like I wasn't like freaked out when I first like traveled to the field because it was like somewhat familiar to be in a, a new setting. The group that you work with, uh, mostly Americans or how does that look like? You mean in, in Washington? Of, or? In terms of the DC office. I, uh, our DC office is, is fairly diverse, but yeah, almost entirely Americans. Um, there are, especially now that um, we're working more with, we have offices in Madrid and in Adelaide and Australia. So we work a lot with those teams. Um, 
but especially with remote work, uh, we're able to work with people who aren't necessarily in Washington. Um, and then there is to a certain degree, sort of a cool, um, like cross pollination with people who have worked on our projects in the field who then end up moving to the U S um, or elsewhere and, and end up sort of working in the home office instead. Um, so the objective and, and what ends up sort of being the reality to an extent is that the people that we train in the projects um, end up working in, in the home office. Gotcha. And also just to clarify in case Cordon is watching, we are speaking about US Americans, not just Americans at large. So just- Yes, important, important clarification. Yeah. Um, but there are there are a lot of Americans that work at, at okay. Global or not the company. Just in case, you know, Cordon is watching. Yeah. But, um, Lots of Central Central Americans. Our chief of party is Guatemalan. Really? <laughs> yes. Our chief of party being like the head of our project. So. Yeah. Cool. And then something I am curious about, just on a really somewhat tangential level, is like how is it kind of starting a new career during the time of COVID? Like, do you feel like it helped you or, you know, what was that, that like? Yeah, I mean, also, I feel very lucky that I had time in the office before um, COVID because I do think I've watched other people be onboarded to my company since the pandemic started. And it seems like a much more difficult task to get up to speed when you don't know anyone and you don't know the systems of a company that is also new. Um, so for me, it was definitely helpful um, to have that period of time where I was in DC in the office, um, which isn't, <laughs> isn't to discourage people who have to start now. Um, I'm sympathetic to that. I think uh, we've come a, lot of, a long way just in the last year in making it better though and more accessible. Um, and do you see, are you going to be sent back to Afghanistan? Like, are you going to return to on ground or do you know? Um, probably. Yeah. There are a couple of different reasons why I might get sent out this year um, for projects that are like in our business development pipeline that I might go out to do startup or capture. Um, but then also within my project, there, there's a couple reasons it's supposed to, the project's supposed to close um, in December, 2021, normally USAID projects are structured in five-year increments, sort of the standard, although they, they can be shorter or longer. Um, so mine is scheduled to end at the end of this year. Um, so I'll either probably go out to help with closeout, which means just shutting everything down. Um, or if we get an extension on the project, which we're hopeful we would, um, then I might go up, go out to do like startup, which would be setting up all the new processes we need to continue for another year or two. And you guys are hoping to continue just why exactly? Uh, it, there is sort of like a, a clause written into our contract that was going to enable the government USAID to exercise a West option, which basically would mean doing the same activities we do now just in the Western provinces of Afghanistan. Um, and so we're hoping that that they'll do that. It's sort of going to be on a, a modified basis. But um, the hope is that we, at the end of this year, will go and sort of transition a lot of our activities to be in Herat in, in Western Afghanistan. Um, 
to basically do what we've done and apply it there. That's super cool. Well, hopefully that happens. That'd be really exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to kind of close off, um, I think one of my favorite questions to ask is just kind of like looking back at Franklin, what's your like standout memory that you're like basically telling people, oh, how was Franklin? And you tell this story, you know, like, do you have one of those? I mean, yeah, I think academic travel obviously comes to mind. But for me, like when I think back on Franklin, I think what I miss the most is just like hanging out in Lugano and like hiking and doing road trips within Ticino. So, um, yeah, I think that's what I, I tell people the most and what I find myself sort of missing and reflecting on the most. It's just hanging out in Lugano. Yeah, just the calm, kind of serene life you have. And yeah. I heard a rumor that you used to hike up San Sal like almost every single <laughs> Is that true? Uh, I don't know. San Sal, my freshman year, I'd re- I was in Giardino. I mean, Girasole. So I was hiking stands yeah. out quite a bit because there's nothing else to do in Paris. So. But I, do, I did hike Bolia a lot. Okay, Bolia. Maybe I misrepresented it. Yeah, I had sort of an obsession with hiking Bolia. But a lot of people at Franklin haven't done it. So if you have never hiked Bolia... Definitely do. I hiked it the first time. So I can... For the first time? Margaret. Yeah. See? That's what I mean. But it was gl- Start- pretty great. So maybe I'll go again. I think it has the best view of Lugano from anywhere. Yeah, and the back of the mountain is pretty cool as well, like looking back in Italy, so. Yeah. But I um, have to do it again before you leave. Yeah, maybe. I probably will. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This has been super interesting, and I'm really excited for your future in Western Afghanistan, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, thank you for having me, and hopefully uh, we can catch up soon. Yeah, of course. All right, thanks. Bye. Thanks, Margaret. Bye.